What the fuck is going on, everyone? Welcome into the Long Game Dynasty podcast, a weekly roundtable discussion about Dynasty fantasy football. I am your host, Tarek Angry T. Benchuia. With me today, Mitch, just the two of us. We can make it if we try. Is that what you're going to do? Yeah. I mean, I was just going to stop there, but, you know, we can keep singing or, you know, we can we could get on with the show. But last time I actually quoted the the Austin Powers, uh, the, the duet there. So we're throwing it back to our last little duet, aren't we? That's right. That's right. I honestly had completely forgotten about that. So, you know, I'm I'm glad we it's we have something now, you know, just the two of us anyway. It's cl- it's clearly our song. Nobody has ever claimed that as their, you know, couple song before. So it's ours, right? Just the two of us. Um, anyway, so originally me and you, we were going to talk 2022 rookie quarterbacks. We were going to get our rookie series started, you know, because we're about, a, you know, a month and a half away from the draft. But in the two weeks since we have recorded a long game dynasty podcast, uh, so much has happened on the NFL news front that we're just going to do a news palooza. Now, some of our listeners may be kind of disoriented right now because usually uh, our show starts with Mitch saying, oh, shit, it's the coin toss. And, you know, we didn't get a coin toss from Mitch today. Just because it's the two of us, you know, just the two of us, we kind of just wanted to start it off. But Mitch, what would have been the coin toss if all four of us were here? Well, so I was thinking with all of these huge news drops that we've had this week, I wanted to go with the biggest story as the coin toss and like two of the biggest names. And I'm going quarterbacks here. So uh, we got Marcus Mariota and we got Mitchell Trubisky. And I think uh, I want to know which one of those guys you'd rather have on your dynasty team right now. Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I I think Mitchell Trubisky is kind of like the best free agent quarterback or at least like the most desirable free agent quarterback on the market right now. So as far as for my dynasty team, I would probably rather have Mitchell Trubisky, but I don't think it's that big of a discrepancy between them. I just think titty boy Mitchell Trubisky has like a little bit more of a chance of locking down a starting job or like coming into an uncertain quarterback situation like, you know, with his buddy Dayball in New York or maybe in Tampa Bay or something like that. I think he's got a higher chance of going into a situation and taking the job than Mariota. I also think Trubisky's a little bit better of an athlete than Mariota, so probably brings uh, a little bit higher of a fantasy floor to the table should he get an opportunity. But what do you think? I think that there are just a lot of vacancies right now. So these two coming off of uh, their stints as backups have a real chance to start this year. And I'd say Mitch Trubisky has the better chance as well. But like, I mean, he he just seems like a bridge guy. So as far as a value standpoint, you can't get all up and excited and go make a trade for him. But I actually have an embarrassing amount of Mitchell Trubisky shares uh, yeah, I, I I just liked the one year contract that he signed last year and thought maybe I'd get some value, but I'm struggling to find like when is the right time to to trade him because you know there are some really good options for him if he goes and signs in Pittsburgh, yeah, or if he goes and signs in Indianapolis, like his value is going to go up. But I mean, how high are we talking, right? Like, again, nobody really thinks that Trubisky is going to be the guy going into 2023 on any squad, I don't think, anyway. 
Yeah. I, I mean, I think if Trubisky were to go to a true like vacancy like Pittsburgh or now after the Wentz trade Indianapolis, like you could get a really, you know, nice value bump there. But I think as far as like when to trade him right now, uh, Trubisky just kind of a hold in dynasty to me right now, because you probably acquired him for super cheap or you just like held him through him losing the job in Chicago. Um, and either way, like if he just remains a backup somewhere, you know, like his value is basically going to remain flat. Uh, and you know, there's a chance that he gets a big bump. So, you know, probably just a hold for now is what I would say. Trubisky and Mariota aside, like I said, there's so much that's happened in the last few weeks from a news perspective that I think we're just going to spend today's podcast kind of attacking all of it from a dynasty perspective. You know, there was Calvin Ridley, the Russell Wilson trade, Aaron Rodgers resigning, franchise tags, Carson Wentz moving, you know, so much happened. So we'll see what we can get to here in about an hour. But uh, off the top, let's actually start with Calvin Ridley. Uh, we got the news uh, earlier this week or maybe late last week. It's all a blur the last couple of days that um, he was suspended for the entire 2022 season for betting on a few games in 2021. Oof. He kind of immediately went on a tweet storm afterward, which was kind of crazy because he's been so quiet on social media since he he skipped out. Um, he claimed that, you know, he only gambled 1,500 total, so he doesn't have a gambling problem. I mean, obviously, that's missing the point, like – you can't gamble on games if you're an NFL player. Like it's pretty obvious why the NFL kind of had to take a hard line here, but Mitch, he's going to turn 28 in December, meaning that when he goes into the 2023 season, it's going to be his 29. At least he's going to flip over to 2029 at the end of 2023. So it's honestly, it's a shame that we essentially missed out on like the meat of Ridley's prime here after such a promising first three years in the league. How should we value him as dynasty managers? Well, I think we should all just make a fist squeezed as tightly as possible. And with all the energy that you possess, smash the eject button. And yeah, yeah. Okay. I mean, take what you can get, cut and run like you know, it, it sucks because he is a very talented player. But as you just said, he, he just doesn't get it. And unfortunately, like, I, I'm going to root for the guy to, to come back and succeed. Yeah, me too. But ironically, I'm not going to bet on the guy to succeed because it just seems like he's making really stupid choices. There's no more obvious rule in American sports that is do not bet on the sport that you're participating in. Like, yeah. there is no mystery. There is no, I didn't know my bad. It was just like the dumbest thing I've seen in a while. And yeah, when, and I mean, you know, to clarify, like all of us, when he left for mental health reasons, we were extremely supportive. So let's not like, that's not conflate those two things, right? Like take care of your mental health. Like we're big believers in that. Um, no love lost for Ridley there. It's just like the gambling part was obviously like a really bad decision. And yeah, I, I can see how that kind of like affects your long-term horizon view of Ridley, like as a player and like his ability to like, you know, be with it. Uh, he like clearly wanted out of Atlanta and maybe part of it is a character concern. Who knows? I mean, we don't want to speculate too much on that, but like, I kind of agree with you insofar as like, especially if I'm looking to contend in 2022, 
I'm probably trying to sell, you know, for like an early second, if I can get it a mid second or, you know, a receiver like Kadarius Tony, right. Uh, I, I saw people on Twitter saying I would trade away Kadarius Tony for Calvin Ridley. So if I'm on the other side of that, I'm probably accepting that just because I think Tony has some reasonable upside and, you know, or maybe I'm kind of putting Ridley in a package to a rebuilder for a bigger piece. And speaking of rebuilding, like, The caveat here is if I'm not worried about production until 2023, I think you hold because there is effectively a 100% chance that his value increases in the next 12 months. But, but once it gets back in, you know, February, March of 2023, my plan would be to sell because I agree with you. Like there's a lot of risk here, but at the same time, I think in a year, there's going to be a lot of managers who want to get back in on Ridley in his age 28, 29 season. And that, that to me is a real soft maybe, because who's to say what on earth is going to be going on with Calvin Ridley or where he's going to be or if he's going to be playing at all. Yeah. I'd assume he'd get reinstated, but that doesn't necessarily mean that nothing's going to happen. Um, I'd assume that he he comes back and, like, takes charge. And again, as I mentioned earlier, I'm rooting for him to do so, but there are a lot of hurdles in the way. And you said a second. I'm, I'm selling for a third... Wow. I'm immediately selling for a third. Like, I you, really, you don't have any Ridley shares, do you? Though? I don't. And it's, but the thing is, it's not because I wasn't a Ridley fan. It's just because I didn't happen to have Ridley shares, right? Right. right. I, I kind of lucked out in that regard. But if, if I did have him, I'd be taking what I can get because, like, his value may go up, like you mentioned, but I don't really know if that is true. You said there's a hundred percent chance. Like some managers are going to want to take a flyer. I, I'll give you that, mm. and I would take advantage of that. Like if I could get right, Kadarius Tony. My God, yes, of course. I, I just like I think in one year, you know, and yeah, I am making an assumption that you know he doesn't make another mistake or whatever. But in one year, there's going to be a manager to anywhere from two to like five managers in most leagues that are going to be willing to pay more then than they will now for Ridley, which is why I I would err toward holding if I wasn't concerned about 2022 production in my lineup, you know? Um, But I hear what you're saying. There's risk involved, right? And yeah, I mean, sometimes it's better to just have a draft pick than taking up your roster space at this point too. Right, right. Okay. Um, so yeah, that we'll we'll kind of wrap up the Ridley conversation there. Like I, he moved down basically to like a mid-range wide receiver three for me right now. Like I'm kind of valuing him. Like he might move down a little bit more. I'm kind of valuing him like where I had Michael Thomas for the last year. You know, like it's kind of a similar risky situation. Like Calvin Ridley, sneaky old, right? But yeah, what do you think about that, Mitch? Well, I think for me, what I do in this type of situation, like I just kind of price myself out. Like I make it under no circumstances where I would be the one drafting Calvin Ridley in a startup or like I just I'm not going to have anything to do with him. So I don't honestly know where he is in my ranks yet because he's basically removed from them. Yeah. You haven't like kind of forced yourself to make that decision yet, which I think is completely fair, you know, Um in my six dynasty leagues, I had a couple Ridley shares. I actually sold them. 
And in the last couple of months, I, you know, I think I've made offers in every single one of them to try to get Ridley because I was kind of in on his upside. Um, and I, you know, kind of <laughs> like you, I, I lucked out. I have 0% exposure. So, hey. all right, uh, let's move on to definitely the biggest news of the last two weeks. And that was the Russell Wilson trade, because this is kind of the news bomb that forced us to pivot away from our original topic and focus solely on news. So let's stretch our legs here, right? Russell Wilson gets traded to the Broncos in exchange for two firsts, two seconds, Noah Fant, Shelby Harris, and Drew Locke. And, you know, uh, the Broncos got a fourth a- as well. Um, Don't forget it. For us. Yeah. We, it's it's kind of funny. They, they were like, oh, well, give us a fourth and we'll let this go through. But <laughs> yeah, there's there's so many players that this affects. But first, I want to ask you, Mitch, like, what do you think of what Denver paid to acquire Wilson? Oh, who cares? This is a bombshell, man. This is awesome. Like, you don't get the opportunity to get a quarterback in their, like, prime, I guess. Like, this doesn't really happen in the NFL. And when it does, yeah. like... That's why our world's just shook and pivoted here. Right. Like, this is a big trade, and what they paid was, honestly, it doesn't seem like that much for an established guy like Russ. Yeah, you know, I think it's fine for both sides. Like, I like what Denver did, and at first, you know, you can tell from our group chats yesterday, I kind of thought that Seattle got fleeced, but... After I've thought about it a little bit more, you know, he wanted out. That team was completely floundering. There is a chance that the way Russell Wilson has played over the last year and a half could be what we see moving forward. Like he's he's been better, I think, than his team situation, but also he hasn't been good up to his, you know, kind of magic standards. Right. So I I do think that Seattle needed to reset the franchise And you're simply just never going to get a fair price for a franchise QB, especially when he holds the lever of the trade clause, like the no trade clause. Right. Um, Because apparently like Washington offered even more, but he was just like, no, I don't want to fucking go play for the commanders and Dan (laughs) Snyder, you know, so like overall, like as a deal, I'm okay with both sides. Like, but ultimately I'm going to prefer the Denver side because they're going all in, you know, and that's great. Yeah. And from an NFL standpoint, from a fan standpoint, it's always more exciting to see the team going for it than the team just packing it in. But yeah. that's really what's going on here. And like Pete Carroll was just nonstop, like we're not rebuilding forever. And that was the the vice grip that they had on Russ. And finally, like the pieces are falling now. Like Wagner is going to be cut, Bobby Wagner and. Uh, I just saw on Twitter that Lockett is on the the trade block now. So, right. you know, they're admitting that they're just they're they're breaking it down. And yeah, and I mean, they should. It just sucks that on the way to breaking it down, they made like negative EV move after negative EV move. Like all the picks that they made in the first round over the last like three or four years were like widely considered as reaches by like everyone in the draft community. You know, they traded two first for like a a, a run stopping safety. Like it, it, they have very badly mismanaged that team. But you know, they needed to reset well, hey, and they pressed reset. That's why they're trading their draft picks away, man. They, they're not good with them, so fuck them. Yeah, yeah. Um. So in terms of like Russell Wilson's dynasty value, does this do anything for him in your rankings? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So you mentioned earlier about, you know, the team he has around him. Well, this is fun. 
Javante Williams, Sutton, Judy. Uh, yeah, that's that's a little bit different. Um, yeah. I'm super into this, and yeah, I think that they may, in fact, let him cook there in Denver. So, yeah, I, I don't feel like he's trapped anymore. I definitely have him up in the top 10, but that's that's obvious, I feel like. Uh, right, he, right. he teeters back into that top five conversation now. Yeah, I've been... I think you and me, we've been higher on Russell Wilson than consensus the last couple of months. Um, so I have him at QB eight. I've had him there all off season and this doesn't necessarily change his ranking for me, but what I'm hoping is that the floor is higher on a week to week mm-hmm. basis, right? If they let him cook, if their new coach, Nathaniel Hackett kind of gives him the keys to the offense, like they seemingly were never willing to do under Pete Carroll, right? Because in Seattle, he was pretty boom bust. Like he gave you these amazing performances, but he also really hurt you sometimes, especially when you look at like half season splits. He would just tend to like for half of the season be like incredible and then half of the season like really disappoint you. So I'm hoping while his ranking isn't moving, I'm hoping that he is like a consistent QB one week to week. Well, here's something to consider then, too, though. If you look at the division he was just traded into, it's like offensive juggernaut, offensive juggernaut. Yeah. No defense, right? Like we're, we're talking high scoring games in, inside the division and just in general. So for sure, I, I don't see any reason why this would not be a positive impact on Russell Wilson this year. And I mean, moving forward, that that's just more time in this offense. So it looks on paper really, really good. So like, yeah. there's reason for optimism. Yeah, like I said, teetering in the top five, but I'm not, I'm not putting him in the top five. I'm just saying that he has undeniable uh, top five potential now as yeah. a quarterback. Those moon balls are going to look great in Mile High Stadium, right? Because we know balls travel in Denver. So Russell Wilson's like moon rainbow balls are going to look amazing. But let's talk about the guys who are going to be catching those rainbow balls, right? Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton. I, I know that you're a big Sutton fan. How are you feeling about this move for those receivers? Oh, man. I thought I was going to die on that hill. I was just standing there fighting, just fighting to just Sutton I'm like trying to defend him and here we are here's the salvation right uh I mentioned uh, a couple episodes ago honestly uh, it was something along the lines of hold on the Broncos star players or stud players yeah yeah you uh, did. <laughs> because the the Broncos seem to be serious about acquiring a quarterback well here we go so you got to feel good if you're a Sutton guy or, or a Judy guy it doesn't matter like both of yeah. these guys like you know they were holds for a reason because this this is the reason that now now they're now they're to the moon with the rainbow moon balls right um yeah <laughs> now as a noah fant guy it sucks to see him go but i i don't really think that there's any reason to value judy or sutton over each other at this point we haven't seen like they're one a one b whichever way you want to slice it all over again Yeah, I kind of gave a slight boost to both Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton in my ranks. I mean, I really only moved them each up a few spots into the late 20s of receiver ranks. I kind of want to take the John Alexander patented wait and see approach uh, with these guys, right? I want to see who Russell Wilson favors. Like, I'm still going to prefer Judy slightly just because he's commanded a better target share when he's in the game. But I, you know... Who knows? That could easily flip. I, I was a bigger 
Sutton fan coming into last season, right? And I kind of made the Judy switch because of target share, but it's fluid, you know? Yeah, I'm happy if I have either of them right now, and I happen to have plenty of Sutton shares, so I'm happy. I'm a happy guy. All right, another pass catcher in the Denver offense. You mentioned Noah Fant moving over to Seattle, and that opens up a big opportunity for Albert O. Uh, Albert Okwebunam. Massive boost, right? Like if he is, it was reported that they moved Fant because they felt like Albert O could step up into that tight end one spot. So what do you think about Albert O now? I think you nailed this the other day, or you nailed this when when the news dropped. His value is the most impacted by this by this trade. Right. In terms of just like sheer value gain. Yeah. He he went from whatever, like I guess tight end, one of those tight end twenty somethings to oh this guy might be a top eight guy. Yeah, like, it could be. Why not? Yeah, I mean, I've got him in a lot of places just because, like, he's a super athletic tight end who produced when he got snaps. And, like, he's about to get some fucking snaps, right? So he's a borderline tight end one for me now. I think I moved him up to, like, tight end 14. I see some people, you know, shout out to Jacob Sanderson, kind of already moving him up into that top eight, which. I think it's a little bit getting ahead of our skis, but there is plenty of reason to be excited. I don't know, man. I'm into it. Yeah. I'm about it because that says a lot. And like they they traded away Fant. They drafted Fant in the first round. And, you know, peace, dude. And Alberto was already eating into his his looks anyway, and he was starting to emerge last year. I mean, I don't think it's really that bold with the the tight end situation as it is. Like top eight is pretty reasonable. I'm into it. Yeah. As far as like Albert O as a buy, sell or hold, it's like a a wonderful hold, right? Like I kind of want to just ride my shares out because I don't think I'm going to get like top eight tight end value out of him on the market. Right. If I if I can, then, you know, maybe I would sell. But I definitely am not looking to buy Alberto. Right. Because if you don't have Alberto and you're (laughs) and you're looking to buy, his price is going to be absolutely wild right now. So um, obviously sell like if you can get a top eight tight end price, I probably would do that. But overall, just a massive hold. Right. For sure. For sure. All right, uh, so we talked about the pass catchers. Let's do a quick line about the running backs in Denver. Uh, Right now, you know, Javante Williams is the one under contract, but there's a good chance Melvin Gordon resigns. We'll have to wait and see. But just as as the running back position in Denver, does this, you know, increase your valuation of them at all? This kind of, not really, no. No, I mean, Javante Williams is already so high up in keep trade cuts ranks. He's at six there. Uh, he, yeah, I, like, I mean, he's a, in the top five for a lot of people too. This doesn't really change anything for him. I mean, what? He's 21 years old. Nothing's changing, no matter who's quarterback in that team. Now, this is like really, really good if you already had him. Like, that's right. that's what you want to see. But I, I don't think that he even moves a single spot. Uh, Melvin Gordon, if if he signs, like, that's going to be a pretty underrated player to have on your fantasy team though because yeah, yeah. like he he did really well last year and all things considered he'd probably do really well this year and just be another thorn in uh 
Javante Williams side, but that's just, that's kind of how teams approach this these days. They they do the committee thing. Yeah, I think you can safely like expect a boost in offici- uh, offensive efficiency, which is you know nothing but good things for the Denver running backs. Um, I've gotten to the point where I'm kind of in line with consensus. I have Javante at running back six, um, and even if Melvin Gordon resigns, uh, I'm still going to be very high on him because he's. We know he is a good player, and we also know that his insulation is going to be elite long term. So, um, yeah, I, obviously it isn't bad for them. That's that's for sure. Okay, talked a lot about the Denver side. Let's move to the Seattle side, and and the guy, you know, the offensive player that went over from Denver to Seattle. You've mentioned him a couple times. It was Noah Fant. What? happens to Noah Fant and your dynasty evaluations after this move? Uh, well, it kind of sucks because we were, and by we, I mean us fellow Noah Fant truthers out there. Like, I was expecting a, a big year for him this year. Um, I was expecting a big year for him next year, and now it feels like this is going to be one of those situations where we're waiting for the the next step that may never come. Mm-hmm. Um, although I, I don't know who the Seahawks are going to be putting in at quarterback either. And if their plan is drew lock again, like Fant was still decent with drew lock and yeah, yeah. Teddy Bridgewater. So it's not like necessarily a terrible thing for Noah Fant, but it right. certainly isn't a good thing. Like uh, going to a rebuilding team that's taken out some of, some of that touchdown upside. Um, yeah, uh, it doesn't feel great, but at the end of the day, he's still a young, talented tight end. So I'm not by any means out on Noah Fant, but my expectations for 2022 are far less than they were. Yeah, I I think it would be reasonable for somebody to dock Fant a couple of spots just because like some upside was sapped away from his situation. But he's not moving for me. Like I still have him around tight end seven, I believe. You know, he's still super athletic. He's still like underratedly produced in his first three years in the NFL. And Seattle clearly wanted him. I think Seattle probably valued him as like close to a first round pick value. And like you said, like he goes from pack catching passes from Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater in Denver to catching passes from Drew Locke or like maybe a rookie, right? In or Seattle. maybe Teddy Bridgewater, dude, still on the yeah. table. <laughs> yeah, or maybe Deshaun Watson. Like we don't know what's going to happen, right? So um, I, I agree. Like he's not moving that much for me. Honestly, if like he gets dinged in the market a lot, like I see his price go down on keep trade cut. I see some players in my leagues kind of like wavering on him Then I may, you know, try to acquire him because I still think he's a good talent. Yeah. Just to, to cap that point, like I'd probably be more aggressive on Noah Fant in uh, like a startup. But right now, like personally, I'm not making moves for him and I'd probably have him around tight end 10. So I think the context is just a little different. Like if you had him or if you had him on on your roster and he was traded, like I feel like you're kind of just stuck. I would hold yeah. in that situation. But yeah, we can. I think he's still got plenty of upside, you know, um, it's not as exciting. Right. What about the Seattle wide receivers, right? So DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, you kind of mentioned uh, earlier in the episode that Tyler Lockett is on the trade block. But uh, what do you think about DK and Lockett now that their savior is gone? 
Well, DK, I still love me some DK Metcalf. I'm I'm going to be buying low. I've already been in the inboxes the moment that this happened, trying to buy low like a scumbag. And uh, big same, yeah. It, yeah, no no results yet, but uh, yeah, there's no reason to to knock DK right now. Like, yes, yes, Russell Wilson is gone, but DK Metcalf. I don't know if you've seen the guy or you know seen him play football, like. He's going to be all right. And right. the guy that I'm really worried about is Tyler Lockett because his savior was Russell Wilson. Like Russell Wilson and Tyler Lockett are an incredible combo. And I am scared for Lockett without him. Yeah. Uh, Russell Wilson and Tyler Lockett definitely had that uh, that Bible narrative working in their favor. Right. They were just on the same page with Jesus. That's for sure. Um, in terms of DK. I, I think his, you know, his upside has to take a little bit of a hit, right? But he was already kind of like on keep trade cut entering that like wide receiver 11, wide receiver 12 territory, which was like a smashing buy to me. Like he's my uh, wide receiver four in Dynasty. So if he takes even more of a hit based on this, he's going to become more so of a buy just because like you said, he is still an absolute monster. He still commands elite target share, elite air yard share, elite weighted opportunity rate like share. Like he is a beast. And like we've seen time and time again that elite wide receivers of DK Metcalf's ilk will continue to command elite usage. And like he was good with Geno Smith last year in like two or three games or whatever. So yes, I agree if like people are worried about his upside taking a hit at the same time, uh, like his median outcome is still like elite receiver in the NFL and he's still only 24 years old. Right. And this is kind of like to the people that would fade AJ Brown last year because he quote was in a run first offense and blah, 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 quarterback this. And, And quite frankly, that that's all just bad information to be, to be basing your, uh, your evaluations on DK Metcalf is still incredible and he's still going to be a absolute focal point of that offense. That being said, uh, he was at wide receiver 11 for me before any of this. And I think he stays put, but okay. I, I just, you know, I don't feel bad about that wide receiver 11 rank like T Higgins, CD lamb, Jalen Waddle, Devonte Adams, Tyree kill. Those are the guys I have in front of him, And I'm okay with that personally. Like, yeah, like uh, it's not to say that DK Metcalf sucks, so he's wide receiver eleven. It's it's more along the lines of like we have a lot of really good wide receivers right now, and that's just kind of where he is. Yeah. Right After you get outside of Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson, it's like a massive tier basically between yeah. like three and thirteen. So yeah, I, I see what you're saying there, and I will say with Tyler Lockett, like I'm obviously worried that he's not going to have Russell Wilson. Like they as much as I like kind of joked about the Bible narrative, like their connection is real. Right. And they're trying to move him. So we'll see what happens with him. Like maybe he lands in a great spot, like with Patrick Mahomes or something like that. Right. I I think if you have him, like if he wasn't your wide receiver four or like three (laughs) at most, I think you were probably building your team poorly. Right. So like, 
if you have Tyler Lockett, hopefully he's like your wide receiver three or wide receiver four. And I think you just hold and hope that he he lands on his feet. Yeah, I'd say if you have just like if you're rolling out the cannons at wide receiver on your fantasy squad, that's when you'd be wanting to make a play for a guy like Tyler Lockett. Because if your expectation is that he's going to be your bench slash plug in guy, then the best case scenario is a lot better than that. So but yeah, like Tarek said. You know, if he's one of your top wideouts, man, uh, you probably got other problems on your team as well. For sure. Okay. Um, let's move on to this Carson Wentz news. This, this actually dropped like about an hour before we started recording. So it's fresh on the mind. But, you know, the first thing I want to say, okay, good on the Colts for not falling victim to the sunk cost fallacy because <laughs> they took what they could get and got out, right? They from the Washington Commanders, the Washington Commies, they got two thirds. And from what I understand, the 2023 third could become a second based on, you know, whatever incentives. They were so disrespectful about this shit too. Like they they didn't even try to save face like a couple months ago when they were talking about their future quarterback. They're, they may have well just said, well, it's not this fucking guy. Yeah, they were not subtle about how much they hated Carson Wentz, which is <laughs> honestly, it is insane because the one saving grace last offseason was that, OK, at least Wentz is going to like the one person in the entire league that actually likes him and Frank Reich. And he even soured that relationship, apparently. So, yeah, man, like. The entire podcast, all of us on the long game, we are patented Carson Wentz haters. He was okay for Michael Pittman Jr., right? Like Michael Pittman had a nice second year breakout. But let's talk about what this does for him and the commanders around him. Like, what do you think, Mitch? Well, uh, man, I, I have been a Carson Wentz hater since I was born. Even even before <laughs> Carson Wentz was born, I, I knew how much I hated him. And him going to the commanders, like, okay. I love it as a Cowboys fan, by the way. Come on back to the NFC East, baby. It's kind of par for the course, right? Like, it, it's just like such a Washington move. Like, when all else fails, go to Washington. Like, what the <laughs> fuck are you guys doing? But anyway, oh yeah, it, it sucks for a guy like me who has many, many a share of Scary Terry and Antonio mm-hmm. Gibson. But, you know... At the same time, I don't think I was expecting a whole lot more than Carson Wentz in the first place. Like, uh, he they've been dealing with mediocrity at quarterback. Uh, just that's kind of what they do there. So Wentz, they didn't give up a whole lot for him. So if anything, to me, that signals he may be just a stopgap guy this year for whatever their actual solution is next year. Could be. Yeah. Tarek mentioned that they tried to go for Russell Wilson first, which at least shows a sign that they're trying to not be idiots before being complete idiots. So, I mean, I, I don't know what to think here. Like, I'm not that upset as far as Scary Terry goes because, like, I... I'm just not excited either. You know, right. what do you do? Yeah, I, I think that's fair. When it comes to Antonio Gibson, I, I he's not moving at all for me. Like, if anything, like they're going to probably lean on Antonio Gibson even more. And, you know, the one thing that we want to bank on with our fantasy running backs is volume. So 
Um, I think Carson Wentz can probably like turn around and hand it to Gibson like reasonably well. It's probably his best skill. Uh, he showed that with Jonathan Taylor last year. So uh, Gibson is fine. Admittedly, my ranking of Scary Terry, he was at wide receiver 17, you know, before today. And I think that had some undue upside baked into it that maybe like Russell Wilson or Jameis Winston or Deshaun Watson or even like a rookie with some measure of upside like Desmond Ritter or something would come in and help him become the wide receiver one that we think his talent dictates. Like I love Terry McLaurin and, you know, me and you, Mitch, we had a little bit of a conversation about this beforehand because You know, I was kind of baking in that upside at wide receiver 17. You already had him at wide receiver 17. You were kind of telling me that that was a little bit of like a fool's dream to expect that Washington would make a good move. Well, we both had him ranked at wide receiver 17. And so, like you just mentioned, he was there for you with the hopes of being able to take a step forward into that like top tier. And he was there not necessarily. Yeah, not necessarily the expectation, but the hope. Right. I right. like that you use that word. Mm-hmm. And as for me, I I had limited expectations in the first place. Uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick. I even forgot the what's the what's number four's name? Brett Favre Jr. Hanky Panky. Hanky Panky. There we go. Yeah, I was like I, I could, <laughs> Taylor Heineke. This is, Heineke's name evaded me because he's just that irrelevant. So yeah. like I mean, Wentz has gotta be just whatever, right? So. Yeah, I don't he's know. not much like, of an upgrade. You know, I don't think he's an upgrade at all from Hanky Panky, really, from a passing perspective. So at the end of the day, yeah, I it just kind of fulfilled the prophecy here. Like, yeah, it, I mean, if your expectation, like you said, it kind of fulfilled the prophecy. If your expectation was that Washington was like not going to do anything to significantly upgrade the quarterback situation, I get that. For me, like the upside being essentially completely sapped away for 2022, it makes Terry McLaurin dip down like a tier for me, right? Whereas he was kind of in like the Chris Godwin, like ahead of Keenan Allen tier. He kind of drops below guys like Brandon Ayuk and Hollywood Brown. And he kind of starts to exist in the tier with Chase Claypool and Rashad Bateman, just because I think the players that are above him now they're both younger and they've shown like just as much fantasy upside um, throughout their first couple of years in the league. So it's not so much that like he's being tanked for me. It's just like I was hoping that I could see him become a wide receiver one. And I'm just going to expect that he's going to continue to be the low end wide receiver two that he's been as a fantasy producer for the first three years. Yeah, I think I think my biggest problem and maybe one of my flaws in evaluation is that one thing about scary terry is that he is just an excellent football player like Dude, he's so he, good he, he does some of the craziest shit that i've seen out there and he's just nasty right and so yeah. i have a problem i have a problem just knocking him down in my ranks because i th- just truly believe that no matter who's hucking him the ball that he's going to break through eventually and this might be one of those hills that I die on. Like, okay. I, I, I don't really have a good explanation. And I think that's why I'm kind of scraping around for words here. It's just, he's just really, really, really good. And I am betting that he overcomes all the stupid shit that's happening around him. Honestly, I don't disagree with that take. Like, I, I agree that Terry McLaurin is really good. 
I'm hoping that he breaks through the muck, right? It's just like, I'm weighed down by the fact that he simply hasn't been able to thus far. So I kind of want to stop betting on it for a little bit. But the tier that I'm dropping him down to, it's good players. Like, it's players I like, like Chase Claypool, Rashad Bateman, right? Like, uh, Amon Ross St. Brown. I like those players. So I still like Terry McLaurin. I'm just not going to be, like, above market on him anymore, right? Yeah, that's fair. Okay, mic check. Four. It is halftime. And just kidding. We are not doing a halftime today because we have a shit ton of news to still get to. So no time for dilly-dallying. Mitch, are you okay with that? Let's do it. Okay, let's move on then to probably the second biggest news bomb of the week, and that was Aaron Rodgers' back-to-back MVP after soaking up all the attention that he could possibly use to inflate his ivermectin-filled ego, he signs a four-year, $200 million contract extension with Green Bay with over $150 million guaranteed. Look, clearly, I got plenty of words for Aaron Rodgers. He's the fucking worst. But from a dynasty perspective, I feel like I got to take a little victory lap here because for the last two months, I've been screaming that Aaron Rodgers was a value at quarterback 18 on keep trade cut. I thought that ranking was laughable, you know, about a month ago Tua, Michael Carter, a mid 2022 first were value ahead of him. Meanwhile, he's been my quarterback 10 and I encourage people to buy him for an early 2022 first. And if you did, Congrats. You have a top five quarterback for the next two years. Anyway, victory lap over. Mitch, what do you think about this move? I think Aaron Rodgers is an asshole. I think he's annoying. Oh, you already did that? Yeah. Yeah. So (laughs) he makes your fantasy team a lot better, and you nailed that take. I mean, Tua over Rodgers? You kidding me? That that just... What? Anyway, so yeah, the obvious happened. He just wanted money after all. <laughs> like, get the fuck out of here. Uh, uh, sorry. Anyway, uh, yeah, if you bought low on Devontae Adams, too, a couple years ago because of all this bullshit, like, congrats. This is oh, for sure. like Aaron Rodgers makes Devontae Adams God tier. So both of these guys just messing around all that attention. Like, dude, get. Yeah. yeah so you you mentioned Devontae Adams and we'll kind of just loop his franchise tag into this conversation uh, because that was also in the news this week, right? Devontae Adams gets tagged and they're likely trying to find a long-term extension for him. And I think Devontae Adams, he's going to want like at least 25, maybe $30 million a year. And I think he's going to get it. So knowing that Devontae Adams is going to be connected to Rogers for at least 2022 and probably longer, Mitch, does this solidify Adams's value as a top eight d- receiver in dynasty uh yes i'm i mean yeah i i don't even think that that's even like debatable yeah me neither somebody wants to come at me they they can come at morals in charge on twitter but no dude that's not debatable like Devontae adams has been and will be playing with aaron Rodgers, and he finishes top eight that's what he does like he's gonna do it for two more years probably at least at least right at least so this is the closest thing to money in the bank that you can get here like last year in redraft i was taking Devontae adams like fourth fucking pick overall in some leagues like he there's no reason to think that he won't be doing this again like yeah money in the bank 
Yeah, solidly wide receiver eight for me, just like, but wide receiver eight insofar as he's the same value as Cup, Debo, Tyreek Hill. Like, if you want to have him top five, because, you know, Devontae Adams, his game is not going to age. Like, he is a tactician. He just knows how to get open, and he's going to be doing that until he's 32 at the very least, Guys, in my like, opinion. You know how good it feels to plug Devontae Adams in on your on your starting roster? Like, if you haven't done that before... Best feeling in the world. Like, you got to fucking try it, man. It's ecstasy. It feels yeah, good. Be- best feeling in the world. Okay. Um, before we move off of the Packers, I wanted to talk about the running backs, right? Because I think both Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon, you know, they their value has been suffering a little bit over the last couple of months based on the Aaron Rodgers uncertainty. So now that we're certain about where Aaron Rodgers is going to be, you know, what does this do? How does this affect the value of the running backs for you? It stays the same. It yeah. continues to stay the same. Now, the running backs were a little bit different of a conversation because if Aaron Rodgers left, who cares? Like, I think that would affect Aaron Jones's value a lot more than it would have affected A.J. Dillon's. Uh, A.J. Dillon, uh, we're going we're gonna to wait around for him to take the reins, and that may never happen, honestly. Uh, he's a committee guy, but he did well last year, and he's going to continue to command more targets in that rushing game. So uh, we're, this shouldn't affect where they are. Uh, Aaron Jones, though, has been criminally underrated for a while, and so I'd say that he probably pops back up a little bit because of this news, just because of his pass-catching ability. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, uh, this isn't really making me move the needle at all yeah i mean i've been i i see the argument for preferring aj Dillon to aaron jones just because of age and upside and like you know he's just got that build where he can just like you know get 30 carries and be completely fine i do have aaron jones over him just because i do think at this point i believe aaron jones is like the better player he's clearly the better receiver right um as far as their like values in dynasty Like you mentioned, Jones has been kind of a hold slash buy for cheap for me over the last couple of months. And I think what this does is it probably eliminates like the buy for cheap window, but he remains a strong hold because I I think Aaron Jones, he's going to produce high end RB2 numbers, right? At at least maybe even RB1 numbers. Uh, Which one? You know, Aaron Jones. I I think because of his pass catching floor, He's going to produce at least high-end RB2 numbers, and I think he can get into RB1 numbers. And A.J. Dillon, you know, like, I know you're higher on Dillon than I am, but again, like I said earlier, I don't necessarily fault you for that. So, well, Tark, let me stop you there. I, I've i sold all of my Dillon shares. Okay. Um, I I am a Dillon... I, I don't actually know where I stand on Dillon currently. Like, last last season, last year... I was a big AJ Dillon fan, but I feel like his value kind of hit that sell window. Yeah, he was he was cheap last offseason. Right. Yeah. And so you, you got I, him for like mid-range RB3 number like value last offseason. Yeah. Right? So I, I can't remember the trades off the top of my head, but I know I had huge value spikes with him and and flipped him. So right now, I, I don't know. There are a lot of people big on AJ Dillon, so I wouldn't consider him a buy right now. He he's his value is the same. Like I said, no matter yeah. what, he, they're, they're both solid holds. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
yeah, just like let it play out, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, let's move off of the Packers, even though Aaron Rodgers would probably want us to keep talking about him. But we're going to move to the next big name receiver that got the franchise tag. Uh, and that was Chris Godwin. So the Buccaneers are tagging Chris Godwin for the second year in a row. Um, I hope he gets a long-term contract. It's just an absolute bummer that he he tore his ACL in week 15. But, you know, the duo of Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, it rides on for at least one more year, Mitch. And the last time we had a one-on-one podcast, it was actually a few days after Godwin went down. And so we talked about it. We kind of reacted more significantly to the news than the market did. I bumped him down to kind of low-end wide receiver two territory and you to mid-range wide receiver three territory. So how has your thoughts evolved since then on Godwin? Have they changed it at all? Does the tag change your evaluation? You know, he just turned 26, so he's still very young. Yeah, uh, I, I think I nuked him a little too low originally. Mid, mm-hmm. Mid-range mid wide receiver three was probably a little too far. But the question marks are still everywhere. Tom Brady just retired. Uh, he just turned 26, sure, but... I think we've mentioned on the show several times, anything that Godwin does in 2022 is going to be a bonus because we got to be looking towards 2023. I think it was a really good faith franchise tag, which doesn't happen often, I'd say. But like, you know, they just tagged a, a player for the second year, which increases the value on that contract. Right. And he's not going to be playing most of the year. So that's them saying like, hey, we still like you. So anything any indications that I'm getting from it suggests that Godwin is at least part of the Buccaneers long-term future, but I have no idea who the hell else is part of that future. And that includes coaching. That includes quarterback. I mean, uh, Leonard Fournette, I, who knows what that team's going to look like in 2023. But I do know that Chris Godwin is a really good football player. And so it's weird, but this injury kind of almost insulates him. It almost like, helps him retain that value throughout this year if you go in there considering like you have no expectations for him to perform or take you over the top or anything in 2022 yeah i mean mitch i think you're gonna hear an echo of yourself here because i pretty much agree with everything you're saying like he's tough he's a tough evaluation for dynasty right number one Like you said, we know he's really fucking good. The dude was a top three receiver in fantasy as like a 23-year-old, right? Number two, his quarterback situation, it ranges from complete dog shit, like with Kyle Trask, to like maybe mediocre with Jimmy G, right? And Or like an unknown rookie quarterback. And like we said, he's coming off a late ACL tear. So Despite me completely believing in Chris Godwin and believing that he's going to recover and get back to form before his 27th birthday, like we have a full year before he is 27. Despite all of that, I'm going to be a little bit lower than market just because the risk matters, right? Like you can't just not put the risk into your evaluation Mm -hmm. of Chris Godwin and, and maintain him like wide receiver 12, 11, which I see a lot of people doing. Yeah, that's so. that's too high. I, I agree. Like, I think I have him right around twenty. And yeah, he's eighteen for me. It's like he cannot help me in twenty twenty two, and that context very much matters for these rankings. So if I'm right. doing my rankings in regards to a startup, like I'm not going to just YOLO on Godwin when I could have the opportunity to win that league that year. Right. Right. right? So it it doesn't make a whole lot of sense for him to be that high. 
just because of his talent alone. Like you're ignoring the game of fantasy football if you do that. Okay. All right. Uh, let's move on to Mike Williams, who received an extension from the Chargers, and the Chargers threw the whole bag at Mike Williams. It was three years, $60 million with $40 million guaranteed. Apparently, he gets $28 million in the first year, so get paid, Big Mike. Good for you, man. Uh, this is probably, I think, a good thing for all parties. Like We know what to expect out of Big Mike. Uh, we did talk about Josh Palmer a few years ago. Uh, sorry, a few weeks ago <laughs> on. <laughs> yeah, we had no idea who Josh Palmer was a few years ago. But yeah, um, we talked about Josh Palmer right on our rookie receiver kind of recap. And I think this probably puts a damper on his like potential second year breakout. I'm not completely out on him or anything. But what's your read on how this Mike Williams contract extension affects things in Los Angeles? Uh, Mike check. Williams time <laughs> I love Dr- it drop the beat do it drop it twice in this episode uh, all right so yeah. <laughs> you, get, you have my word uh yeah the Chargers threw a shitload of money at him and you gotta feel really good if you actually bought Mike Williams last year so we did I know I did advocate going out and getting you a share of Mike Williams last year, and he promptly turned off the Jets, right? Now, he was still plenty good, but he wasn't like uh, Mike Williams has arrived at those first, like, four or five games or whatever. Yeah. So what this means is really, really good news, right? Like, he's paired with Justin Herbert now. Um, They have faith that they're going to continue to use him in that role moving forward. We might get more production this year because... I, he's he's on the team. He's three years, sixty mil. Like that that dude is part of the game plan. So for the next two years, for sure. Like yeah, there's no way they're getting out after one year. Even he's there for two years on Justin Herbert's rookie contract. Yeah. So I mean, look, if he may be too expensive now, he he may have uh his his price definitely went up. It sh- it should have anyway because this is as we mentioned the best case scenario for Mike Williams being paired with that quarterback that broke him out on that offense. It's the same offense. So, yeah, this is the best-case scenario. If you have him, great. Uh, you know, I I don't think I'm selling if I have him. I don't think so. No, I, I don't think so because I, I think, I mean, obviously, if somebody is, like, willing to pay you top 15 receiver prices for him, then sell him, right? But... Um, because he is already, you know, 28 and like, like, I think my hesitance with Mike Williams is I think that there's a really good chance that 2021 was his ceiling. Right. Um, and that's not a bad ceiling to have, right? It's like boom games probably finishes the year as like a mid range wide receiver too, because he's also going to have some low games. Right. Um, I, don't hate that. You know, he's got plenty of upside on that week to week basis. But because of that reason, because I think there's like a really good chance that he's not going to get past the ceiling of 2021. Um, and maybe we disagree a little bit there. He's going to stick around wide receiver 28, 29 for me in my dynasty rankings. Um, so I think like good on you if you held him because I this isn't going to hurt his value. But and like this is obviously way better than if he went to like Carolina or something like, I don't know. Like I'm just kind of throwing, you know, a team out there. Like 
this is a good situation for him. I just think he's not really going to move for me. Yeah, I agree. But at the same time, who's to say the Chargers don't add another wide receiver for no reason? Like, that's always on the table. Uh, Free agency hasn't even really even kicked off. So, I mean, who knows? Who knows what's going to happen? So, like, when I say I don't think I'd sell, like, I don't think I'd hate if you sold Mike Williams here either. Uh, Just selling after a bunch of good news is never really a bad idea. So, uh, but have I have confidence. I have confidence moving forward. I have confidence in Keenan Allen moving forward, at least for the next two years. So, like, if, you're, if your window for a championship is now, like, Mike Williams is certainly a valid option. Yeah, if, if there is a quarterback out there uh, that we think should be able to support two elite fantasy options, it's going to be Justin Herbert. You know, he's going to be among the first three or four names that you mentioned. So, yeah, uh, good for Mike. I, you know, I've I've been a fan of Mike Williams since he came into the league out of Clemson. So, you know, I'm I'm happy that he is going to be a contributor for for dynasty teams moving forward. All right, uh, we're kind of rolling up on an hour here now, but we still got to talk about um, some franchise tags and the tight end uh, world because the whole news cycle in the last week really started with like a barrage of tight end franchise tags. And the first domino to fall was David Njoku. And now that was kind of surprising uh, because the Browns, they can free up about $9 million in cap room if they designate Austin Hooper as a post-June 1st cut. But everything I'm seeing seems to indicate they actually want to keep their three-headed tight end monster in Njoku, Hooper, and uh, Harrison Bryant. I'm just like surprised because they did not use Njoku to like the best of his ability seemingly. And I know you were a big Njoku guy heading into the off season. So are you sad? Like, how does this make you feel? Big sad, real sad. <laughs> I was so mad. I, re- I remember when the news dropped and I was the first one to react at our group thread, just cursing the Browns with no context. Like yeah. the fucking Browns. They would do this. This, this makes no sense. And that's why they did it. Like, don't try to apply logic to something so illogical like this. Like, the three-headed monster that was super successful for the Browns last year. Uh, let's run it back. Let's run it back, boys. Get Baker back in. No, it doesn't make any sense. So, perhaps this is, like, an indication that they're going to use him more, but it's not. Like, it's it's really not. His fantasy value, it, it's just, it's bad. <laughs> at the end of the day yeah. it's bad like i don't expect david and joku to do anything more than he did this year yeah and i don't think you should either yeah i mean he's not really gonna move for me off of like tight end 29 tight end 30 um just because like this kind of saps away some situational upside you know we talked about that a couple times this episode with different players but i mean I'm hoping, despite the reports, that they they cut Austin Hooper. Um, and because, like, they signed Austin Hooper to this, like, top-of-market tight end contract and then didn't really utilize him, right? So I, I there is some – maybe they just, like, really love how these guys block or, like, how they look in a uniform – like, a Browns uniform. Like, I, I have no idea what they're doing. Um, it I will admit that I have been, like, kind of uh, – closeted like 
not so closeted Harrison Bryant truther. Like I, I've been hoping that he is the one that kind of pulls through. And uh, not going to lie, this kind of uh, uh, eliminates those hopes for me, at least in the short term. Now, last thing on Joku, just because I have several shares of him, I I don't think that I can really do anything. I don't think that I'm going to be dropping him, trading him, any of that stuff. Um, I feel like I'm just stuck like Chuck again for, for another year and uh, hoping that they let him go peacefully next time. But... That's kind of the move here. If if somebody hit me up about trading for Ninjoku, I I'd consider it just to, if I needed the roster space. But like, it's not the worst hold either. Like, it's not the worst guy to be stuck with. Like, a few things break his way, um, and potentially he could be used more. But like, certainly, certainly do not have the expectation that like things are going to improve this year. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. So the next tight end that got tagged was Mike Gesicki, uh, as our friend Bill likes to call him, Mr. Big Chest. He is staying in Miami. It's interesting to me because, you know, he doesn't really fit the the Shanahan tight end mold, um, which you might have imagined Mike McDaniel instituting a San Francisco offensive style in Miami. Um, I was hoping he'd find a new situation with a better quarterback. Like I'm, I'm fading on Tua pretty heavy. Uh, but what do you think about Mr. Big Chest, Mike Gesicki? I think they did him dirty, uh, franchise tagging him, getting him that tight end value. Uh, I did hear they might offer him some contract incentives like uh, dropping passes and stuff for a couple extra hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> uh, no, I, I think it's <laughs> I think it I think it's like not like what we were hoping for for Mike Gesicki, but it makes sense for the team. I think it does. Yeah. Like Waddle is their their stud wide receiver, and Jacecki's a good outlet for Tua. So, um, I you know it makes it makes sense. Tight ends are cheap, like that's why you franchise tag them because they're cheap. So yeah. it doesn't really hurt yeah. the Dolphins to do it. The Dolphins got plenty of space and whatever. So from a fantasy perspective, yeah, it's not like our t- top five wish list or anything, but. I think that he still has the potential to be a top 10, top 12 tight end. Right. So both of us right now have Mike Gesicki as our tight end 11. Yeah. Um, do you do you, you just, you know, hold him there, basically? I mean, look, he might be there now. He might be a tight end 14 by the teams uh, by the time the, the year starts. But like he's just kind of going to float around in that little area right now. Like, I don't yeah. see any good reason to put him into the top 10. But I don't see any good reason to tank him either. So, yeah, me neither. Yeah. yeah, I think that's fair. I think that's fair. Okay. Uh, and now that I'm looking at our show sheet, and Dalton Schultz is the next tight end we wanted to talk about. I realized that we kind of completely forgot earlier to talk about Amari Cooper's reported impending cut uh, from the Dallas Cowboys. Um, I'm surprised that. Uh, Jerry and Steven Jones made the decision to cut Amari Cooper. They do not seem like the type of people who make a hundred million dollar bet and then do not fall victim to the sunk cost fallacy. So my, I thought they were going to restructure Amari Cooper's contract and commit to him for even more years, but it looks like they want to cut Amari Cooper, re-sign Michael Gallup to a bargain contract coming off of his ACL tear. And then they franchise tagged Dalton Schultz. So uh, let's start, you know, just because we're in the 
franchise tag tight end category right now. Let's start with Dalton Schultz. What do you think about this franchise tag doing to his dynasty value? Well, I like it. I think Dalton Schultz, like just as I mentioned, as a tight end, they saved some money by signing him, but he is Dak's guy. He's got that Dak chemistry, that that oh shit, I'm Dak Prescott in trouble. Where's my guy? There he is, Dalton Schultz, baby. And like I want to see that continue happening. And I had Dalton Schultz at tight end 12 before the news. I think I'm honestly going to put him up to tight end eight. Uh, I think that. Wow. And like that just is simply because of situation. And I don't care. I'm I'm down to admit that right now. Like, sure. He's not like Mr. Athletic, like our, our boy Brevin Jordan. Like, <laughs> you know, he, he's got some shortcomings, but. At the same time, like, who cares? He's going to be putting up those numbers in that offense, like, and he's not going anywhere. That's investment money. They invested in him. So whether or not we like him as a player, I like him as a fantasy player. Yeah, he. I mean, like, he's clearly a reliable target for Dak Prescott, like you said. Them placing the franchise tender on him and cutting Amari Cooper in the same breath, essentially, tells you that they see Dalton Schultz as an integral part of their offense, mm-hmm. right? Um, so for me, like, I have him ranked as tight end 13. I would not have a problem moving him up to, like, tight end 11 or 10, right? Like, pr- essentially, like, prioritizing him out of all the players in his range, like Mike Kosicki, Cole Komet, the newly minted Albert O, right? Um, ahead of like Hunter Henry. Like, I'm I'm completely fine with that. So my challenge would be Noah Fant. So I would argue that mm. if I were going to slam some money on the table right now, that Dalton Schultz over the next two years will outscore per game Noah Fant. I would not hate that bet. So I would not hate that bet. That's, and currently I have Noah Fant at eight. And so when I glanced mm-hmm. at my rankings, I immediately was like Schultz would get, slide right in at eight, right behind Goddard and Hawk, right? So I think that's just tentatively where I got to put him because when I look over the next two years, like he, there aren't really safe bets at these like top, they're like, you know, bottom of tier one tight ends, but like he feels pretty, it, it feels like he's making a nice little uh, home for himself there. Yeah, yeah. I I think that's fair. I I'm not ready to like commit to moving him over Noah Fant, but I think you make a compelling case, especially for like the next two years. Like he is going to get, you know, probably like a top five target share for tight ends, right? Um, and you know, Dak Prescott is good. That's a good offense that's going to move the ball. Um, he's going to be in scoring opportunities. So I hear what you're saying. I'm not going to commit on air to moving him up to tight end eight. But I'm going to say I'm going to walk away from this podcast th- with Dalton Schultz on the mind. And I'm sure uh, Trey, who's listening to this, is grinding is just, his teeth. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Although I'm, I am interested to hear, uh, you know, Trey, when when you listen to this episode, text me like what this does uh, to Dalton Schultz or b- even better, tweet it. And then, you know, everybody can see. All right. Um. So yeah, Mitch, did you have anything you wanted to say on like the Amari Cooper cut? Like, do you have any like 
hopeful landing spots or like maybe what this if this does anything for cd lamb in your estimation i i don't want to like skirt that to the side because it was a big news item yeah fair enough cd lamb is unmoved for me he was i think if i pull this back up i believe like wide receiver like eight or something nine wide receiver nine so that's not going to change for me lamb's lamb's a, a stud so uh, Cooper leaving for him personally. I hope that he goes to a team that prioritizes him in their offense. Um, I've watched a lot of film on Amari Cooper, and he can be an outstanding player if he is the absolute focal point of the offense, but then weirdly just disappears when yeah. teams misuse him. And that happened in Oakland, that happened in Dallas at times. Like, I want to see him go somewhere where, like, he is the guy. Now, yeah, I don't think it's going to happen. So, like, you know, I'm a bit of a fade on him right now. But, like, if I, I'm normally a proponent of, like, rolling the dice on players pre-free agency because, like, they could get a big value boost based on a good landing spot. But me and uh, Amari Cooper here, I, I, I can't in good faith, make a trade for him until I know where he's going. And that said, um, if somebody's in, in the market to buy, like, no, no, I'm holding. I want to see where, the, I want to see how this plays out. Okay. Yeah. I, I will just like put something out there, which is like not substantiated by any kind of reporting or evidence. Um, Amari Cooper is a Miami guy. He's like from Miami. He's very like Miami pride. Um, so I would not be surprised if he, you know, decided to go home, uh, to the dolphins. And I will just say from the bat, if for some reason that happened and, you know, maybe he took a haircut to go play in his hometown team, I'm kind of hoping for it just so Jalen Waddle can become the slightest bit more affordable. I was going to say, I would hate that for Amari Cooper's value. Oh yeah, I'm, I don't. I mean, I I have zero percent exposure. I I've never really been a huge Amari Cooper fan, um, but like we know that Amari Cooper really he, he's going to max out at like nineteen percent target share. Like if he signed with a team that already has like an established like alpha receiver, I'm I'm not going to be worried for that established alpha receiver. And just because I am angry, T, I want to close out the show by saying. This does not move the needle for me at CD Lamb at all because I was already very high on CD Lamb. I always have been. I think the Cowboys, they need to get out of their own way and feed CD Lamb the 30% target share that he deserves. Go look at his PFF scores. Go look at his reception perception. He's dominating people out there. I'm hoping that this signals that, but I was already expecting that to happen. So. Just because I'm me, gotta end the show on some CD Lamb love. Fair enough, and I'll I'll end the show on some some John love. Happy anniversary, John. Uh, hope hope that excuse is good enough for you, Tarek. It was good enough for me, so uh, I'll I'll let you miss today. Absolutely. And uh, Trey, we miss you too, buddy. Uh, hopefully, you're doing something romantic up in France or whatever you whatever you're doing up there. Yeah. Uh, John missed because it's his anniversary and uh, Trey is traveling for work. So both plenty good excuses for me. Uh, But yeah, we miss them. Uh, Hopefully we get John back next week and I think we're going to get Trey back in two weeks. So 
But, uh, you know, just the two of us, Mitch, it was a great time. You know, I think I think we did OK without them. We made it and we tried, buddy. All right. So uh, from me, Angry T and Mitch, thanks for listening to the long game. We will see you next week when I promise we will talk some rookies. All right. Goodbye. Goodbye. No, I ain't worried.